Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everybody. Today, I have Nacia Miller. Nacia is a close friend who I can say I've seen, honestly, have I think I've seen her less, less times than I can count on my fingers. <laughs> and every time that I've hung out with this woman, it has been so magical. We have these really deep, thought-provoking conversations and such a soul-to-soul connection that every time I hang out with her, it, it it's kind of like it sets us off to to like change the course of our lives and up level. <laughs> That's how it's always been with her. Um, how did we meet? Do you remember how we met? Ooh. Mm. Oh, yeah. You came to an awakened dinner. I think it was even before that, actually. It was through, it was Kevin, you and Kevin worked together. I think it was online first. Yes. Okay. So Nacia started following me on Instagram. That's what it was. And, yeah. and we talked and she was, and she like had suggested like working together. I don't know. You said something about collaborating or talking and yeah. out of, and, and honestly, when people do that, I, I'm a little bit on edge and and I was like, thank you. I'm not interested right now. That's right. <laughs> uh-huh. And she ends up coming to my dinner and I'm like, who the fuck is this woman? She's so rad. Like she's <laughs> such a cool, fully expressed human. And I decided I need to be friends with this person. And then I discovered that she's an incredible coach um, that right now helps people through all sorts of things, including transitions and friendship. So anyway, I mean, I'm going to talk about her a little more as we go on, but I, yeah, I brought her on to talk about friendship, which is something that is exciting to discuss on this podcast because when we talk about commitment and relationships, we focus so much on, on romantic relationships and not enough on our friendships, which are the relationships we're engaging in every single day. So thank you so much, Anasia, for coming on this podcast. And so I'm so excited to be here. And it's, it's fun that you initially started the thread with friendship and how it started, because you're right. You were not interested at first. And I, and you'll learn this about me throughout our time together. I pursue those that I see real, real potential. And when I feel like a soul connection, like there's something that's meant to be here, I will yeah. pursue it until it uh, manifests Ooh. how it's supposed to <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Um, And I appreciate when I feel that from somebody. But yeah, I thought like before hopping on this on the Zoom, I thought, wow, it's going to be interesting to weave in things about our friendship as we talk about friendship. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the mic for a moment and and have you introduce yourself. Tell tell the audience who you are and why do I have you on here to talk about friendship? Yes. So I'm a relationship systems coach, which means I work with all different kinds of relationships. Uh, I work with businesses and teams and communities and relationships that I find most fascinating are the ones that are happening in our lives on a day-to-day basis that we often don't pay attention to. And sometimes those are with the barista or the garbage person or the people we pass on the streets. But then also we pay, I, I find that there's a lot of tools and there's conversations out there around family, around romantic relationships, uh, and not a lot on friendships. And it's been something that's been fascinating me since really a really, really young age watching friendships and my own journey, uh, both from myself as a human, how I've evolved around my relationship with friendships and with people in my life. And then from my own training and certification work as a coach, I, it just came as a to a head that there just needs to be way more conversation around the power of being intentional around this. So I'm I'm really excited about um, about supporting whoever is listening to this around this because we all have this birthright, like from basically from like womb to tomb, 
like from when we're born, you know, those stories that maybe your parents told or any guardians that you have around like, oh yeah, you were friends with them. You used to play with them at X or Y. Like we are social beings. So it happens from such a young age and it goes all the way through till we die. So like even after the fact, the friends that come to your funeral, all those things. So I think it's a really relatable one that we don't talk enough about. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Something that that really stands out to me in in your journey is that I know that you've been very actively working on your sense of belonging um, to the point where you went to Burning Man by yourself to like you're we're very similar in that way where like if we want to work on ourselves in something we're like I'm gonna fucking do it like <laughs> you know like I remember I remember when when I wanted to work on my sense of beauty. I chopped my hair off because I'm like, I think I'm beautiful because of my hair. So I'm going to cut this off so that I trigger myself and, and find the beauty like within myself without relying on my hair. And so that was very similar to you. You're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Burning Man by myself and I'm really going to put to test my sense of belonging and, and feel belongingness, um, without needing to have people that make me comfortable around me. So what is yeah what what has been your journey with belonging where where did it start and and how has it evolved <laughs> wow yeah wow just like hearing you talk about my burning man journey i think about just all the growth that went into it like the journey that i had before i even got there around belonging <laughs> yeah um which so, is like that yeah. is that is the thing about friends right like yeah. I mean, yeah, take it from here, but yeah. so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say, okay, so my journey around belonging really started from a very young age when my family, like even when at six years old, uh, my family, I'm one of six kids at the time, five before we had a, 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 my parents had a six and we're really close in age and we're a really close unit. So I always felt this sense of love and safety from my family. And from the age of like, kind of like first grade, um, I had like a, an incident at uh, story time on the carpet uh, at, um, at snack time, excuse me, at snack time when the teacher was, we were all eating our like vanilla wafers on the carpet. The teacher was reading Goosebumps. This was first grade. And she was reading this scary, to me, what was scary, if anyone knows, man, Goosebumps was like, not for me. And she said, anyone that wants to go back to their seats, if they're scared, can. And I remember being the only one that went back to my seat. And this kind of happens that each of us have these core experiences. I don't know if you, this has ever happened to you, but it's like, why do I remember this weird? Thing? I don't remember so much that happened. There's like these few kind of core memories that you can place and, or you can really put yourself back in almost like you can feel yourself back in that place. And usually that's like, yeah. ding, ding, ding. There's something here that either turned to shame or, or turned to growth or something like that. And so this was really uh, a really big trigger for me around, um, friendship and belonging. I don't know, maybe there's stuff that also happened before that, but this is one that I really remember of looking back onto that carpet, being the only one sitting at her, at her seat and thinking like, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. And that's really where a lot of it started. I really got pretty um, reserved after that. I really um, hated going to school, was scared, like scared of the kids in my grade, almost like scared that if I say the wrong thing, that I'll be rejected. So it started at a very young age to the extent that um, I was, I was depressed in second grade. My, I mean, from then on, like it was a really there was a really low point where my first grade teacher was tutoring my sisters the summer after first grade and noticed the way I was like rambunctious and loud and all these things at home. And she said, that is not the same Nacia that I see in school. Mm. And thank God for teachers who point these things out, really saviors. And because of that, my parents were clued into something that was happening at school that wasn't happening at home and really happening between me and, and, and the other kids. There was nothing that really happened, but it was just like this internal journey that then began where I really just didn't feel um, belonging anymore. I, to the extent that I switched schools and there was such a big journey of finding my own voice and really like fast forwarding to, uh, wow. I mean, I've always been someone that's wanted to grow and learn about myself. And so that's always been a part of my journey, but then really getting into the core as an, as a young adult, as an adult, 
of really getting how much I had been living in the story that I don't belong. Um, and it came with then like being the loyal friend, always being the loyal friend because everybody wants the loyal friend. Everybody wants the loyal friend. No one's going to want kick me out. I'll be invited if I'm the loyal friend. And learning mm. just just even like a decade ago, like seeing this this pattern, like oh, I'm the loyal friend, so people will keep me around. And the work that I've done since is like I am a really loyal person, but now it doesn't come from a place of because they need to keep me around or because I need I I need to make sure that they that they don't kick me out. But it's like oh, because it it comes from a place of strength, um, and and so the journey of learning that I have been the one that's made myself not belong. Like I have been the one telling this story and putting myself in situations that I feel this sense that I don't belong. And I'll just share one other piece, which is Maya Angelou, amazing poet, talks about that she feels like she belongs everywhere and she belongs nowhere. And that's now my journey. That's how I feel now. Like I belong everywhere and I belong nowhere. Uh, and yeah, more, more on that, but I'll, I'll pause yeah. there. Wow. Yeah. I really felt that one. I, I could very much resonate with that one too. Hearing you share about your childhood makes me think about the amount of emphasis in psychology on your relationship with your parents and your attachment style and not enough on what happened at school and what happened with your friends. And like, yeah, I, I obviously, you know, being in this space, I get that your relationship with your parents really matters and we don't, and not enough people talk about it. <laughs> but most of the day you are spending it with all the other kids and creating your sense of identity according to that, right? Like, am I popular? Am I weird? Am I like, do I belong? Like, it's what do I have in. to change? Yeah. yeah. What do I have to change about myself in order to fit in? Like in your case, it's like, well, I just got to do whatever it takes to, to be loyal. To be loyal. Whereas like I, yeah. for me, it's like I I gotta do whatever it takes to be different, to be special. Like I need I need to get attention in order to to be liked, right? I need to be the 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 shiny one. Mm. Right. Yeah. And how much how much of your identity then becomes that. Exactly. Exactly. Which is like it's not like it's not like the first thing we think about at five is like, how do I get a guy to fall in love with me? No, mm -hmm. we we think, how do I get these these people to be, these other children to be my friends? Oh yeah, and by the way, a lot of people that age aren't even thinking about it necessarily. They're just kind of rolling with it. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, who just like, and I think this also depends on personality. This also, I think depends on gender a little bit or, or, or setting, but it's like, wanna play? you know, like, yeah, let's play, you know, to, to a certain extent also. So there is, uh, yeah, a little bit mm -hmm. less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, kids. so when, when we're kids, it's just like, Hey, you want to play? And then, <laughs> and then I, you know, you, you, you talked about how as adults, there's like kind of no rule book on, on how to make friends. So what have you noticed around that and, and how do you help people in this space? Yeah. So I'll just go back to something that you were saying and something that I was saying about like, let's say the loyalty, it's shifted a lot for me, but even the feeling, wanting to feel shiny and different when so much, it's, it's counterintuitive. It's so much of the work of making friends, keeping friends. And then the the third piece of like letting go, both like, mm -hmm. you know, when other you're you're choosing that certain friends aren't aren't healthy in your life, or you know, there's a certain season for that that friendship or vice versa. Um there's there's also so much the counterintuitive piece is like it's actually a lot about looking within yourself as in terms of like asking yourself questions around what type of people, number one, you're right now surrounding yourself with and why. Hmm. and do there's some work there around like really taking inventory and I have like different tools to kind of take inventory around checking this out like getting awareness around the friends you already have in your life before we talk about making new friends for a second yeah yeah about, right the friends that are already in your life and there's just like a beautiful simple opportunity to you know list the top like 15 people in your life you know anywhere between like 
five and 20, you know, something like that. And, um, and just kind of noticing which of your friends feel um, nourishing, just like one by one, not in comparison to each other, but just the, the names. And you can do it as like, um, kind of like a, a one through 10 scale, like how much you feel like really nourished or, or um, like they, your battery is charged after you spend time with them. And then how much you feel like your battery is depleted, that like you're really drained after you spend time with them. So taking inventory and looking at, okay, so the ones that are draining, why do you, why do you keep them around? Like, what is it about that friend? And just starting to notice and the ones that you feel really nourished, like what about those do you, like, why do you feel really nourished? Is it a quality? Is it something that happens between you two? Is it, is it a way of, you know, do they really encourage you to be your best self in a certain way? Or what is it about that, those relationships? And already we're starting to then get awareness around kind of the energy exchange that happens between you and friends in your life. And you also start learning like, oh, I keep these people around for a long time for me. I didn't feel cool or useful. I didn't feel cool. And like my, my parameter was like, I want to feel cool and I'm, or I want to feel useful. And so mm. I would make sure that the people that I was, and this was subconscious for a long time. And then when it became conscious, I got to do all the beautiful, messy work. But when I got that, the people that I ended up unconsciously surrounding myself with were either cool or useful because then mm. it made me feel that way in my mind. And so it's like, and if anyone wasn't one of those things, I couldn't let them in because then the people would find out that I'm not that way. And so I have to keep it only around those, you know, those qualities. And so that's an example of like kind of looking in your life and seeing like, why do I keep certain people around or why do I try to get invited to certain places or things like that? And I also, by the way, do think that jealousy or desire are amazing um, like guideposts for like things that you actually want in your life. So it doesn't mean that it's, there's work to be done there, or maybe there's a desire like, oh, wow, I watched that group of friends go places and they adventure together. And that's so epic. And it's like, okay, so that's a desire. Maybe it's not those people, right? Because if that doesn't, if you feel small around them or you don't feel included, whatever it is, but there is that there is information around that desire. That's great information. So we really want to mm. just want to start collecting information before we could talk about making new friends in a moment. But really, yeah, first, yeah, yeah. first of all, just like getting clear with the friends you already have in your life, who are the ones that feel really nourishing? Who are the ones that are draining? Let's start looking at that. And the qualities yeah. are the ones that you want to keep around. And that will help with our next step. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And like just hearing you, um, hearing you just, first off, it brought me back to my life where like at the like the time in my life when I wasn't super satisfied with my friendships and I didn't even know how much there was to transform in them. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like, I, I think I could say this about so many people in my life that they don't know how much better their lives can get, how much richer their relationships can be, how much more comfortable they can feel in, in their friendships and their relationships. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's important to also talk about like, why look at your friendships, you know? Um, because yeah. it's like, it's like, is, like you said, like there's so much information there. And if, if you're feeling a certain way in your relationships, it tells you a lot about you. Like I used to feel really anxious in my relationships, really drained my, by my friendships, um, really nervous, worried all the time. Does this person like me? Am I being annoying? Um, how do I, yeah. right? How do, how do I keep these people around? How do I make myself interesting? And I just didn't realize that with all of these same people, I could be somebody different. Mm. I could, um, I could speak my truth more. I could um, be myself more. I could ask for what I want, do the things that I want to do. Um, and you know, something that we talked about before this, before recording, and we've been talking about, you know, in all of our conversations, is how how people don't really have great friendships. How people, you know. Are, are just tolerating their friends or having friends around because they've been friends their whole lives. But 
but a lot of people talk shit about their friends. A lot of people um, don't feel like themselves around their friends or, or it can only, like I remember, you know, being told when I was little that when I'm an adult, I'm only gonna be able to count on one hand the like real friends in my life. And I'm like, mm. what? Like that, that can't be real, you know? It was just one of those truths that I had to accept. Mm. And, I, and I think it all stems from not knowing right who who what's possible in friendships and and how to really be more conscious and um and active creators in our friendships yeah totally i think you asked a really interesting question like why does this matter and you answered it in a really powerful way and i'll just add that there there are a few other reasons there is a humongous loneliness epidemic right now in the world so many people feeling lonely and what that leads to around uh, mental health and um, and and disease and I mean there's just so there's so much research also scientifically around like when you have friendships and I, I forgot the exact parameters but it's like two people that you can confide in and share I think it's like really challenging news really happy news there's like three markers I have to I have to look it up um, and that if you have that amount of friendships, it also like elongates your life a number of years. So there's also like this, this is also around like our, the health in our lives. And Esther Perel says the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. And so this matters, you know, a lot of times maybe we don't want to put effort on it or I don't have time to, or whatever it is, but it actually shifts the quality of your life and the uh, quantity of your life. So there's there's a lot out there around why this is really important, and yeah, why this relationship bucket is really important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, when when someone you know comes to me and talks to me about how they want a romantic relationship because they want someone they can be themselves around and someone they can receive affection from and someone they can, you know, be playful with. I always think about like, what's, what's, what's the state of your relationships and friendships right now that you're lacking this, that you feel like you need someone to come into your life to be this, like, why not be this in the friendships that you have in your life? And it's something that I, okay. So going back to the period of my life where I didn't have, um, the depth that I wanted in my relationships and, and well, yeah, my friendships, it's something that I asked myself, like, like, what would it take to be more honest in these friendships? What would it take to be more playful? What would it take to ask my friends to take me on dates? Mm. Yeah. And, and I, and I started doing that. I started just asking myself, like, how can I be who I want to be in this romantic relationship in my friendships? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And like that myth of, uh, you know, the, that romantic partners can be everything to us, mm-hmm. which is not, you know, not real. And so it's so important to diversify and count on people and on other people to be a part of that nourishment in addition to ourselves. I, I find that I, when I notice myself starting to feel this happened to me, I was on a beautiful experience with 40 humans called experience house, just a a month or two ago and the evening before this this morning that I was journaling I was just feeling so connected to the group and it took me a little bit of time to feel in a rhythm and then I woke up the next morning feeling pretty anxious oh I remember I gave a talk that night and I was being really hard on myself about how it Mm -hmm. went and then I was journaling that next morning and feeling so disconnected from everybody there feeling super lonely and I checked in, I'm like, what's going on? Because I didn't feel this way yesterday. And I was noticing that I was being really harsh on myself and really mean toward myself. And it created a loneliness inside of me that then I connoted to like feeling disconnected out there with other people mm-hmm. when nothing actually changed. I was like, oh no, they, they, they're not going to think I did amazing. And now they're not going to want me around. And it's just like, it's still, you know, so many years later, I do this work all the time. You know, this is what I do professionally and work on it within myself. And these triggers still come back. You know, this is, this is definitely my lifelong work. Uh, and then it was just checking in with like, oh, okay, right. Nothing changed. And what's being, what's, what's needed within me is like really a lot more love and compassion toward myself 
and then starting to, to soften into that and give myself that, um, speak nicer to myself internally. Again, it then shifted back. I was like, all right, I feel I love, these are awesome. These are awesome people. I feel connected. And it was just, it was all me within me that then shifted the friendships externally. Mm, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, like uh, the outside is a reflection of the inside. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's all a mirror of what's going on inside. Totally. Yeah. So what, what's, what do people discover in that phase where people are looking at their friendships and seeing, okay, what's mm. going on here? What's that showing yeah. me? Yeah. Well, I think also there's something, uh, I remember doing work with somebody who said, I really want to feel nourished in my friendships. And I said, okay, so what does that mean? And I was just like, hmm, I have no idea. Or she's, or she said, oh, she's a mother. And she's like, I really want more time with friends. What do you want in friendships? I want nourished. I want to feel nourished. Okay. What does that mean? It's just like asking that next question. So what people are really um, seeing is number one qualities that they really love and want in people in their lives. Like, oh, great. And then that's great markers for making new friends and, and being alert to new people that you want to add into your life. Um, people are also seeing, uh, getting honest with certain friendships that maybe have a different um, lifespan. You know, friendships aren't all meant to be lifelong friends. There's seasons, mm -hmm. just like every other kind of relationship that moves in cycles like nature. You know, things die in nature, things grow and they move. And, um, and so there's, a, there's a getting, getting honest with, with that piece. I think we talked, so, and we talked about this a little bit before, but you know, breakups are really hard. Heartbreak is really hard romantically and friend breakups are really challenging. And, and I don't now know why you, is that? Well, I, 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 well, I number one, I don't think that there's much airtime about it. I think that there's like an assumption that we're friends. And so we're friends, we're friends forever. And, um, and I don't, there's not conversation around the seasonality of friends and, and then there's not a lot around conversations around, um, around letting friends go, or is this still feeling aligned in our lives? Like it's, it's very vulnerable. It's very sensitive. You know, it's not about like a life, lifelong partnership, but it's about like this, there, like, is this still feeling good? And, and sometimes it feels good for one person still and doesn't feel good for the other. And that's a painful process. It just, that, that is, it's not, it's, it's really vulnerable. I'll share a story that happened recently to me where a friend, um, I had reached out to a friend because I felt that there was some like energy, there was something that felt a little off in our previous interaction. And I asked her if something felt off and she said, let me check, let me check in with myself. She took a few days, she reached back out. And by the way, those few days were very hard to sit mm -hmm. in. Um, and then um, she said, no, I feel good. So, okay, we went on. And I had noticed that maybe I was, I, I, we actually like spoke a little bit less over like kind of that period of time. And then we reconnected and I was like, got to talk. It's been too long. And we, we did, we got on the phone. We had a beautiful conversation. And I said, I want to, I want to share a reflection I had. And I shared a piece about our friendship and something that I noticed and how it's shifted. And then she shared that in those few days that she took to check in with, if there was something that was off, she asked the question, why do we have to check in every few months? If there's something that needs to be cleared, if there's something between us that we need to talk about. And at first she said, I wonder if maybe we're not aligned as friends. And that was kind of her first thought. And then she thought a little bit more and she said, actually, the fact that we check in with each other every time there might be something that we think might be a miscommunication or something that didn't feel good to the other person, we check in about with each other about it. Like, hey, did, was that did that was that okay? Did you feel something there? Was there something off? We ask each other, and then we have this clearing that then creates this like this kind of this like blank canvas, mm -hmm. this like smooth space that then we just get to be with each other in the presence of what it is without all the extra like little, little um, kind of like micro aggressions or micro withholds, you know, that then add up. And she said, actually, I love that because she like went from thinking we weren't a lot of friends to feeling that's actually something that she really values about our friendship. 
Um, and, and I think that I just want to go back to what you said, to what you asked. I think that so often there are situations where people ghost other people friendships. Mm, yes. Like go, go MIA. Um, yeah. Go dark for a long period of time. These are or like very, yeah, yeah, or like aren't real. You know, like like aren't honest. Like you know, like yeah. Like aren't honest about not wanting to hang out, aren't honest about why we can't go to each other's weddings, like things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so and there I think that sometimes there's a, a little bit of a rush to like not want somebody in our lives. And I think that it's as a it's at a result of not sharing those micro withholds. Like that person is late all the time. And it drives me crazy, but I've never said anything about it to them. So then I just am like not wanting to make plans with them because I know that they're always late or that they cancel. I had a friend that used to cancel like every time we would hang out and it just drove me crazy. And so I would always, I started having a plan B, but I would create the story every time. I'm like, I know I have to have a plan B and I know that probably we're not going to hang out. And it really put a wedge between us and I shared it with her and it was a it was a bit of a messy conversation it wasn't just like this like clean conversation because it came to a head with something that I was kind of I had a story about about her like hey, you always cancel and she then had to look at within herself and also confront that story but it was also about me constantly making that that story a reality without talking to her about it Mm -hmm. um, and so there's also about like taking responsibility. If this is something that's not working for me, then talk about it. And I think so often we might ghost or not know how, or I know a lot of people tell me their texts add up and then they like, it just adds up so much or yeah. it's, it, it, it passed a certain amount of time and now they can't answer. Yes. I hear that all the time. I'm like, how is that a thing? All the time. And so, um, what, what I do with friends that I know have that pattern. So you might be on one side or the other of this, but when I, when I feel friends that aren't answering, I, I know that they feel guilty or they feel badly. I know the trend that's happening in their mind and they just don't know almost how to recover. So it gets longer and longer periods. And I say, I want to be in communication. This friendship is really important to me. And, um, and I know that it might like feel badly that it's been a long time. I don't care. I just want to get into conversation with you. Like, I just want to connect with you, you know, and it's almost like speaking into what they might feel badly about, because ultimately for me, it's about the communication, the connection. And then once we have the connection again, we could talk about what we could do better next time or what my needs are or what doesn't work. But it's like, if that friendship is really important, I think that there's also an element of not just going straight to the thing that doesn't work, but like, why is this important to you? Like, why is this friendship important? Taking responsibility for what you might have not brought up before. Like the more that we can really look within ourselves to see what we could take responsibility for. And if it's an important friendship, communicating that first, like that's like the, the number one is always create the possibility of why this is important. So that there's the point isn't for the person to get defensive. The point isn't for you to be right. And if it is, then we have something else to talk about. But if it's really for the connection and you really miss this person or want this person more in your life or have a challenge, connect to wanting that before you then go into like kind of some of those other pieces. Yeah. So we went a little convoluted in a few different paths. Yeah. But no, but that's okay. Cause I actually, I was thinking about how to bring it all together, which is that, you know, uh, a big thing that it gets avoided in friendships is honesty. And it's it's almost in a way easier in friendships because we don't have these hormones that are bringing us together or this like sexual attraction or this codependency. And so it's easier to avoid. And so then we, you know, a lot of us end up in these, you know, friendship breakups or conversations where we're like avoiding being honest because we're so afraid because we don't want to be rejected, because we don't want to look a certain way. And what I'm hearing you say is that a tool that we're missing is providing the context that comes from love and constructiveness or whatever that noun would be, which is 
like this is coming from care and this is coming from a, a desire to grow, a desire for closeness. So to provide a context of why you're having this conversation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's, yeah. Then the thing we're all scared of is expressing how we feel and expressing what isn't working for us or what we'd like more of right. um, speaking that truth. Right. Yeah. And, and personally, yeah, it's, like I, I can be someone that can be very like that can that can get really defensive and then judgmental of myself for my defensiveness. And then I so then sometimes like especially, you know, years ago, I would have a really hard time telling like, let's say the friend that was always late. Hey, it's really annoying that you're always late because I'm like, well, I'm such a bitch. You know, I, why can't I just be more understanding or more go with the flow? But then providing that context of like. I want to tell this person that this bothers me because I, I, I only want love between us. Yeah. That, that was like, that made it a lot easier to be like, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you this annoys me. I'm going to tell you this doesn't right. feel good because I, I don't want to push you away. I exactly. don't want to be fake to you. Exactly. And I respect you as a human and I think you can take this. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to feel bad for you. I'm not going to caretake you. I want us to have a real relationship here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly why. It ends up in not being because you're annoyed. It's because you want to create, you want a friendship that feels really great because I know, I don't know about you, but when, when someone's constantly late, then for the first like bit of time, I'm just like in my head being annoyed that feeling they, they don't value my time. And then I'm yes. not with them and I'm not present in the conversation. And so it does take away from the connection we are trying to create. Um, mm. I want to go back to you, to a question that you asked and, and kind of connect these two around making new friends. Yes, and, that's exactly yeah. where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Cool. And how to do that. And I want to bring it in with this piece around honesty and really like asking for, for what you need and a really beautiful uh, opportunity. Number one, list out a great, a great way to make new friends is like list out uh, different like hobbies or experiences that you want to have or things that you really enjoy and go to them. And so that's a great place to meet like like-minded humans, especially in adults. And people say like, it's hard to make friends as adults. Like, where are we? You know, we're not in these like conventional spaces where you, where you naturally meet people. So go yeah. to them, go to that ceramics class, like go rock climbing, you know, go, go learn, go do those things. Um, and then when you find someone that you want to connect with, um, I, th number one, you can just like, you know, it's, it's similar courting to dating. And mm. I, I, I remember in college, there was this woman I really wanted to be friends with. And so I was like, Hey, you want to, we ended up like going on a girl date and we like each chose an activity and we like did this together. And it really like brought us closer because Friend, friendship ends up growing, number one, at the pace of trust. Relationships grow at the pace of trust. Sorry, trust grows at the pace of, nope, I'm totally messing this, this up. But the idea is that like trust takes time to build. Yeah. And so we, and so it's like having multiple experiences, having shared experiences is an important element to, um, to building friendship. Um, and so having those shared experiences and so starting just like court kind of in dating, I'm like, Hey, I'd really love to get to know you better. want to grab a drink or want to go for a X or a Y or whatever that, that thing is. Um, and then when there is a connection that you get excited about somebody or you have a connection with somebody the a beautiful question to ask is like, what, um, what capacity do you have right now around or an, an interest around friendship? Like really actually asking around like, you know, um, and I, I do this all the time with people because I'm meeting new people all the time and I'm like finding like a few people in those that I'm like, I really want to create a more of a connection with you. I'm excited about who you are. I'm excited about spending more time with you. And I just want to check in. I'm like, what are you, what are you available for? What am I available for? Um, and it's like, you know, when we see each other, I'm really excited. I'm on, kind of focusing on in-person friendships right now. So when we're in the same city, I would love to spend time, but not really available for virtual, you know, friendships right now. 
you know, that might be it. Or yeah, this feels really exciting. And you'll feel the energy exchange. And if there's like, Oh, me too, me too. Cool. Let's get on a call this week. Right. And so you'll feel it. And that's what like starts creating again, the honesty from the get-go around, uh, around what you want and like what you need. And it's like, actually right now I'm, I have a crazy deadline, so I don't have a lot of capacity, but I am excited. What if I put on my calendar in a month from now that we connect, right? So in just in, in our world today, just having way really honest conversations around that capacity. I do it a ton mm. with moms. Like, Hey, I know you're a mom and you have a lot of things. Like I'll just preempt it. And I'll say, I'm somebody that loves to check in, especially with people that I feel really connected to and love to just like throw connections. And, um, you don't have to feel pressure this. I've worked hard to get to this place. I've put a lot yeah. of effort in, but you don't, I, I don't, you don't have to answer when you answer is great. And when you don't, it's all good. And suddenly they answer a lot more and they make a lot more availability because they don't feel guilty when they don't. So then there's space for them to feel present when they do. And so there's just an opportunity to really get honest around that. And that when we, when we're talking about making new friends, the same way we would do with dating. Like, what are you available for? What am I available for? Um, and I'll just say like a bonus. Oh, someone asked me, do people get like, a lot of people have asked me this, like people get thrown off by that. And actually I find that people don't. I think mm. people are really looking for this permission and really looking for this honesty and this like straight talk because then the same thing we were talking about before, those, that energy of like, what do they think? What do I think? What are the assumptions I'm making? What are the expectations? I have certain expectations. I communicate a certain way. You communicate a certain way. I am constantly doing this of clearing like, hey, we don't really know each other well. So we have different communication styles. I would love to learn yours and love to share with you what mine is so that we can connect. And the people that aren't open for that is just a telltale sign for me that maybe that's not, that then that's not a friendship that I, that I want to grow. And I, and that's, and trusting that, right. And that goes back to the self the self-love piece. Um, and I'll share one bonus is there's always going to be conflict because conflict is a part of relationships, whether there's challenges or miscommunications or, you know, misaligned needs or wants in friendships. And the bonus is like, is asking the question of, Hey, when challenges come up between us or when there's something hard that happens um like how do we want to be, be how, how do we want to be with that together like what do we want to do so that it doesn't become reactive around like ooh, i really want to bring that up but i'm not really sure how this feels a little weird but it's there's an agreement like hey what if we like really gave each other benefit of the doubt or we really agree that it's both it's important for us the value that for both of us that we name it i could see we haven't done that but i could see with us we have worked through some some challenging things together. Yes. But I could see that just knowing the two of us, it might be that, and maybe this is um, assumed, but this is, it's even better to say it that, you know, when something shows up, can you share it with me? Number one, giving me the benefit of the doubt that my, my intentions are not malicious and also sharing with me what's up for you. Hmm. And if yeah. we both, right. If, we both agree. I can, I, you know, when I was sharing something with you at one point, I remember feeling like, Ooh, a little crunchy around it. And I can imagine that if we had this conversation before that, then I know that that's an agreement between us. We've, we've intentionally designed how we want to be together when things get challenging. And then we agree it. So when I do it, it's like, Oh, right. You know, that that's something that we, we do. And I know that's something we do. So when I come, it doesn't feel like um, off putting or out of left field. It's like, Oh, we have, that's what we do together when something's challenging. Yeah. I love that. It's and like, I always like making references to the dating world or even to the work world. It's like in the work world, you have, um, you have the job you're applying to. And so you literally know like what they're looking for, what the expectations are. And then when you're dating someone, I mean, we don't like people don't do this enough in the dating world either, but it's like in the beginning, it's, it's nice to have that conversation of like, what is this to you? Right. What, what are yeah. you looking for? What am I looking for? And then having, you know, the relationship conversation of like, are we dating? And so it's kind of the same in friendships, you know, that that's what you're talking about, about 
setting yourself up so that your nervous system can fully relax in this friendship and there aren't any assumptions or questions, but you can create that like something, yeah, something that you can trust and something that you can rely on of, of we've created it. Like you said, we've given our word to each other that this is what we're going to do yeah. um, as, as best as we can when right. something comes up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I know it can sometimes feel to people like, what, I'm going to like sit a friend down and say this, or, you know, it might feel a little bit formal. And so, you know, there's an opportunity to build up to work to it and do, you yeah. know, do it also conversationally. Um, you know, this is, yeah. I mean, people love to hear like, I'm excited about being friends with you and I want it to yeah. last, or I want it to feel really good for both of us. And then X, Y, or Z is that next question. A bunch of ones that we just, that we just talked about. I know that I would love to receive that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a serious conversation. It doesn't have to be like, you know, like you, you said the word formal and it is formal, but it doesn't have to be serious. It doesn't have to be like mm, demanding, you know, it could just be super fun. It could be really turned on. It could be really yes. playful. Yes. Um, and especially because like you said, like I, I love, at least for me, I wish I would have heard the thing about it takes time to build that trust um, years ago, because since I'm the kind of person who can easily be herself around anybody, it, it leads to making assumptions that my first interaction with someone, I can tell like whether we're going to be friends or whether I like them or whether yeah. this is going to work out. And that's yeah. not true. I've yeah. proved myself wrong many, many times, including us, you know, where the first interaction was like, oh, no, like, what is she trying to do? And now, you know, <laughs> I consider you one of my closest friends. So, so it, it's not like in the playground where we didn't even have to know each other's names and could just play with each other. And now, you know, now we, now it takes time to really feel like you can be yourself with somebody. So anyway, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what took me there, but, but just yeah. those, those two things, like you said, kind of like, knowing what expectations are there that aren't being spoken, communicating to them and then giving it some time yeah. and knowing that when conflict comes up that you can tackle it together like a team. Right. And a lot of times with new friendships, people like something will come up that feels a little crunchy, like a little uncomfortable and people will be like, peace, this is a new friendship. I don't need this type of energy. And it's like, wait, stay, stay you know, conflict is meant to, this is a hurdle. This is what grows relationships. Like, listen, if it continues, yeah, there's a telltale sign. And, and, you know, I trust, you know, there, there's growth in knowing some friendships are meant to continue and some aren't, but I wouldn't don't like jump. I don't abort mission too early. Uh, yeah. And, and see it through. Uh, I just want to say something that you, that you were talking about around the trust. I used to do some similar to what you said, where I would feel excited about somebody and immediately I would just like be, I was like, oh yeah, we're already there. We're ready friends. And similar to, um, similar to dating, I kind of want to know, are we in or are we out? And what it does is it alleviates me from feeling anxious or uncomfortable. Because mm -hmm. if I have an answer to, are you in or are you out? Like, oh, you're, you're my friend or you're not my friend. And then the ambiguous in-between state of it, which happens when we're growing relationships, it's meant, it's bound to, to be there because we're both on this like kind of like growing edge around what is this? Who are you? Does this feel good? Doesn't this feel good? Um, both in dating and in friendships. Um, and it took, it's taken me time to slow down and allow that trust to really build and allow myself to also sit in feeling like, oh, I'm excited about that person, but I don't know if they're totally excited about me yet. And, you know, you can have the conversation, but it also doesn't like then determine then that this is, that this is going to be a beautiful, healthy, long-term friendship. It just helps you in that moment, you know, mm. do your best with that communication. Um, yeah. But I've seen it come uh, full circle. Safety mechanism. Yeah, exactly. I had a friend, mm. we did a coaching program years together and I was so pumped. I was like, yeah, we're friends. And I would treat him like he was a close friend. And then I felt him kind of pulling back. So I 
And I think we had a conversation about it at the time. It was just like, yeah, this is good, but it's a little too much. And so I just kind of like kind of pulled back and we spoke every little bit. And this is years later that we were back in like a, a, a same group, friend group. And I have done so much work around like neediness, not needing around friends, not feeling attached to what I need around friends. And it just coming from a lot more of a core place of, of nourishment and joy and play instead mm-hmm. of like, I need them to fill something for me or something like that. Um, And he actually commented to me, this was last summer. And he was, and he said, I just want you to know, I just really feel the difference of like how I feel around you. And like, I'm excited about um, our friendship and just like, it's really beautiful to like, feel, feel the growth that you've done in yourself. And just the way I showed because up. Because he wasn't feeling like you're pulling this. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. It's so interesting that you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you, how do you support people around disappointments in really in friendships? Because Ooh. at least in my case, a big thing, a big part of my journey has been being more comfortable with disappointing friends um, and being more comfortable with friends disappointing me. And I think once upon a time, I would have told myself like, don't be disappointed. But now I'm like, I'm disappointed and it's okay. So, yeah. so I'd love to hear like, how do you, how have you worked through Ooh. it for yourself and how have you supported people through disappointments? What do you suggest people like who, who's, who are listening? Cause that's a big thing. It is a, it is a big thing of like, friends need to be doing this for me. And if they're not doing this for me, they're not my real friends. Yeah. Oh boy, that's huge. Okay, so you you kind of are touching on two points of it. Number one is the the expectation you have around what it means to be a good friend, right? That's like mm-hmm. one element of what you're talking about. And then yeah. if it's not met, there's a disappointment. I think the biggest element around that is really getting clear with yourself. I mean, this that's like a lot of deep inner work. I think first is um, what what is that really saying about about you? Like, if there is some kind of needing energy that's attached to that's like I don't know, you can kind of feel this energy of when someone like really need needs it from you, or when you really need it. There's an attachment to it going a certain way and it needing to be like this. And that usually is like a ding, ding, ding. There's something to look at within yourself. That's like not really, it's it's not really coming from a place of, it's not really about the friend. It's not really about them a a lot of the Mm -hmm. time. It's really about you. And it's really about checking in with like what you're really, um, why you're needing that, um, what you're really needing, what, where you maybe uh, are putting a certain um, reliance out there that really should be coming from internally. I mean, this is something that obviously is a little bit case by case, but in a lot of times that's, that's a a lot of that clinginess is usually then something that's like that you got to like look within yourself and see why you're, why you're um, wanting that, needing that. And then there's a story of like, this is what the expectation is of a good friend. And just like checking in with yourself around, like it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, close friendship and what people assume, what people need, what people think that means um, at different points in our lives, at different chapters, it means different things. So also having conversations with, with friends around like, what does that mean to you? What are your expectations around it? Um, more kind of more questions that can also be had conversationally. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Cause it's like, it's like, you know, just using an example of, um, of like texting every day, right? People have different meanings to yeah. that specifically. Yes. Like if you're not texting every day to one person, it means we're not connecting to someone else. It means, you know, it just doesn't matter. So yeah, there's so many different interpretations people can have. Yeah. And then there's the opportunity of, uh, of asking people, you know, sharing what your needs are. Um, there's a really powerful way of doing that where it doesn't put them in a box of them needing to do it. That's what I was, there was a little pause there and a little laugh. Yeah. Say more. I, I, I've done this before. I've just like, I have, 
and this is a, a way of doing it, but like I have a bold request from you that you can like, and I'll use this language. Sometimes it's a little bit, it feels, might feel a little bit formal, but it gives some clarity. Like you can powerfully um, accept decline or counter offer. Okay. Like saying that, like, Hey, I have yeah, a powerful like literally, request and you can accept have, decline or yeah, counter offer. Yeah. 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 And it gives people so much permission to be like, hmm, actually that doesn't work for me. Right. Like, um, Hey, it would really be helpful. Can you come and help me move for like five hours on, on Thursday? And I have this like big expectation that that's what like good friends really do. They really show up. But I also know that maybe it's a big ask or something. And I might say like tonight, can you like come help me from like 12 to five of this like bold request? And it can feel like edgy to ask you to do that. And then, um, mm -hmm. You can, you can accept decline or counter offer. And I, I like to use the word powerfully because I want them to feel powerful in their choice and it might not feel good for me, right? That's what you're saying. There might be disappointment on the other side. And then you can either say like, actually, yeah, that really works for me. And then there's a powerful choice that you're then maybe not, you might've, um, if I didn't ask that, you might've said yes, but then been resentful of it. Instead, you're actually checking in with like, hmm, can I show up and do that on my Sunday when I really want to do a bunch of other things. Actually, that is how I want to show up because that is a value of mine and I want to, and I know that that'd be really helpful. Or you could be like, nope, doesn't work. And there's a powerful because there's permission. Or you could say, I can offer you two hours. Mm. How does that feel? And there's that mm -hmm. counter offer is powerful. Um, so there is that space that then offers both like me to set myself up that I want, if they're sharing it powerfully, it might, I might get disappointed, but there's like, um, still an honesty between us that then it doesn't create like an ickiness afterwards around the decline around the no um and then I think it's also really important to say that I'm disappointed you know you can say that when when a friend does disappoint you sharing I hear you and I want I'm sharing that I, mean, I am disappointed and that's okay like disappointment yeah. is part of part of life and it's yeah really... this disappointment is like such a taboo like I feel like people are scared of using that word he says so I love I love hearing you say that and and uh this language you know you, you were just you know like you saying about how we're not taught how to make friends we're just taught we're not taught a lot we're not taught how to ask for things like like what a simple way of asking for something being like hey i want to ask you this and you can say yes no or counter offer like what a you yeah. know such a yeah. such a beautiful light way of of asking for something that may feel really bold or scary yeah and you can also you can also frame it and say like i know this might be a no for you i know that you might not be available to this and and i i, I know that i can hand i will handle my disappointment right like i might be disappointed and i know that I, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll handle it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like that, you know, there's another way of preempting it for yourself and for them because they might feel bad in saying that. So you just, you can use that word more. I, I had a conversation with my brother who asked me something really beautiful last week and he's a close friend. Like I consider my brother, one of my best friends. And he asked me to show up for something. And I had a conversation with him and I said, I really hate disappointing you. Our relationship mm -hmm. is so important to me. And I hear that your ask is also something that's really important. And I'm so, I so appreciate you asking me to be a part of this. And I don't think I'm going to be there. And it's, and that's, it's hard for me to, to say that. And then, and he was like, why are you making the assumption that I would be disappointed if you said no? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, that's happening assumption. for me. I was like, that was happening for me. I was so scared to have this conversation. He said, I want you there. And if you're not there, you're not there. So different people have different relationships with, with no's. I'm very sensitive to it. I do get disappointed. Um, but he did it, you know, but it still was hard for me to say no. So those are other, mm -hmm. other ways to, to just constantly, constantly say it, say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like we, it's like, uh, how do I say this? At least when when someone is about to do something scary, I think a lot of us will tend to be like, it's not going to be scary. It's going to work out great. Or like, they're not going to reject you. Um, they're going to like you. And 
It's helpful. I feel like you're you're kind of naming something, which is that we tend to expect the worst and things and people actually, you know, it ends yeah. up not being so terrible. And you're also saying that it's okay. It's okay if 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 they yeah. are upset. It's okay if you if they do to get disappointed. Um, yeah. Honestly, yeah. What, what's at the root of this is our fear of being abandoned, right? Abandoned, rejected, of, not liked, yeah. not wanted, not included. Yeah, 100%. And they're all real because we're social beings. And at the end of the day, like what our kind of survival mechanism, what it was based on was tribal, was being a part of a tribe because that's how we survived back in the day. You couldn't do it alone. So fitting in, but also being different, you know, these are really big distinctions. It's like, yeah, you want sameness and you also want difference. And what is it? And how do we, you know, do, play in the arena of both of those showing up yeah. fully ourselves, but also being mindful of the energy in the room and not just like, yeah, I'm unapologetically me all the time. It's like also being mindful of the, of other people and the energy, right? So there's also this like beautiful balance of, you know, and you could, and saying like, this might feel a little serious. I'm not looking for it to be serious. This is important to me. Like name the thing that you're scared that they are going to think. And just, and, and, and it's, and it's a dance, you know, it's a dance. Like connection is a dance and Mm. it goes in ebbs and flows. And it's not just Mm. once you get it, then it's consistent and it feels good all the time in that way. Relationships, just like all of us are constantly shifting And so the more, and I think this is about the disappointment too, the more you can train our nervous system and telling your body, putting your hands in your body and saying like, you're safe and you're good and we're good, you know, just like breathing. And um, so that you don't go into fight or flight around it. Um, And right. So that's, yeah, that's a big piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Uh, can you believe an hour has gone by already? Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I, I will say, you know, speaking speaking to what you just said, it's like I think it's important to remember that um, we all have that – we all have a version of a, of a memory from childhood where we felt like we had to be different than who we are to belong or we had to be liked in order to be okay or we didn't belong. And so that's the story we have. Like, we're just constantly looking at how we're never belonging. And so to, to just be aware of that, that whatever you're seeing around you is probably a projection of your childhood if it doesn't feel good to you. And to question that, right? Question those beliefs, questions those stories, um, and know that, that it can be different now. Yeah. Because that's what, like, we're always working with. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just really want to acknowledge any, any part that you do in this arena, it's, oh, it can feel a little uncomfortable, and a little edgy. It's vulnerable. This is a vulnerable sector. And, uh, and just imagine the benefit on the other side, like what mm. it can offer. And that supports me in taking that edgy step that supports my clients in taking that step a little over the edge um, to, and then man, having fulfilling, nourishing friendships where you feel that you can really bring yourself and you don't have to have all these stories and assumptions running in the background when you're spending time with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty magical. Freedom. Freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, as we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to say and anything you'd like to share about yourself and, and what you have to offer? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, th- I think we've really said, we've said the, we've, I think we've really said it all. Um, there's, I mean, there's so much more we can do hours and hours and hours, but I'm going to literally, leave. yeah. I was just like, go back to this quote of the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our, the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. The quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives Mm -hmm. and checking that out in your life and, and trusting that when you take these, these steps, it will um, up-level your life. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, nasia.miller, N-A-S-Y-A 
that m-i-l-l-e-r and lots coming up lots of group coaching games um, around friendship around transitions around relationships um, working with businesses around this work so mm. check it out lots coming up if there's anywhere if there's any way that you can say like i like i help people take their lives from this mm. to this or their relationships or friendships from this to this, what would you say? Yeah. Um, I would say, I would say that around relationships, it's feeling disconnected in your relationships to feeling like kind of clear, clean and connected. So really mm. working on um, trust, how to like really build trust, really um, like optimize and get clear with how you how we communicate and then having having really the tools to make those communications and then feel aligned so the difference between feeling like i don't know where you are i don't know where i am both within yourself and with relationships and then feeling like oh we're both heading in this direction i know where we're going and we are we we have an agreement on on this we feel aligned and connected yeah mm, beautiful Thanks yes yeah, thanks for being on. And so yeah, for for anyone who's curious, I will put all the stuff in the show notes as usual. And um yeah, I I hope to have you on here and continue this conversation. Mm, I love that. I feel like yeah, this could be like a three a five hour series. <laughs> We're just gonna keep rocking it. Come back yeah. for more. <laughs> yeah. Amazing.